about three months ago, I found a lump in my right breast and it was off to the side, kind of near my armpit. So I knew it also could possibly be like the swelling of a lymph node, but I didn't know for sure. And it was painful. And I remember it vividly. It was a Thursday night and I was like kind of flip-flopping between rationalizing what it could be and then also, you know, not knowing. Welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, talking wellness and weight loss for real life. We're here to clear up the myths, misinformation, bad science, and marketing to teach you how to eat and how to cheat. Are you ready? I'm having salad with a side of fries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm Jen Trepic, your host, always here with you every week. Today, I'm joined by my dear friend, Mona, and my new friend, Elsa, And you guys, today's conversation is one that we all really need. And I think it's one we need whether we realize it or not. And I know it's late October, but it's still October, which means it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I think, you know, whenever breast cancer is the topic of conversation, I feel like we hear about treatment and support for people during treatment and after treatment. And even when we talk about the before stuff, it often centers on genetics, right? The BRCA gene and deciding if you want to get tested or what to do if you do have the gene. The conversation that I feel like we never hear about is what happens between the time of finding a lump or finding something and getting a diagnosis. And I think this is the part that happens in private. Like when we don't talk about this. We tend to share things with people once we know what's going on, right? Once we have that diagnosis. So this is what we're going to dig into today is this, I found something through to what is that something and how do we go through that? So grab your coffee, a tea, a cocktail, (laughs) and let me introduce you to everybody. So Mona and I first met probably 15 plus years ago in Weight Watchers. And we really bonded because while we would go to the meetings, we were both actually following our own food plans. <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely. Right. So, Mona, say hi to everybody so they learn your voice. Hi, hi. This is Mona. <laughs> um, yep. Jen and I were um, at Weight Watchers and we had PhDs in Weight Watchers. Um, yeah. <laughs> always followed our own path and listened to our own bodies and. Weight Watchers was always uh, sort of catching up with us, you know, right. kind of like a few beats, like before there, they'd come out with their next iteration, which would be like, oh, oh, sugar counts or. Right. Welcome to this conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we go back a long way. Yeah. And so then also, guys, everybody meet Elsa. Elsa is a dear friend of Mona's, whose story you'll learn more about. So welcome, Elsa. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I'm really excited to be here. Um, it's kind of a little a little um, strange that, you know, when you say, you know, in treatment, well, that's one of the ideas that I had for a podcast because I feel like I'm always saying I'm still in treatment. Um, yeah. I'm in treatment until February 22nd when I finish six months post chemo. So um, 
Yeah, this is a really sensitive subject because I'm I'm in the middle of the throes of it, and yet it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Everywhere I turn, it's do you want to add another fifty four cents to round up to the next dollar to give towards breast cancer? I'm like, yeah, sure, let me do ten dollars more. Um, uh huh. A little, it's a little um like there's days where I'm like I gotta turn off all of social media, or I'm all the way in it, and I'm also helping to spread awareness and at least let every friend that I know that has any chance of being Jewish, um, at least at the minimum to go get a test. And when you start digging through the roots of all your family members and you're like, aha, there, there you go. There's another one. But um, happy yeah. to be here and have this conversation. Yeah. Elsa, thank you. And I appreciate um, you sharing your story. And um, I say it before we even get into this, that everyone appreciates your vulnerability and openness and is sending love and hugs and healing and all the good things. Yeah. Um, so thank you both. I just, before we even get started, I'm so grateful to both of you um, for joining us for this conversation. And I, I know that you guys listening are probably like, wait, what? This episode isn't about Halloween. Like it's candy week. <laughs> so I know uh, keep an eye on my social media and be sure you are in our podcast Facebook group for all of my favorite Halloween tricks and treats and all of that kind of good stuff. I will never leave you hanging. <laughs> so I promise that's there. And also, I want to tell our members what they're getting this week. So your recipe this week is for pumpkin spice muffins. And I know I've been sending you a lot of pumpkin recipes, but it is October. And many of us are bored with the same old flavors. So we've, you know, we're changing it up. And of course, I'm always here to help you. So these pumpkin muffins are beyond easy to make, like legitimately a bowl and a muffin tin. Uh, plus, they're packed with protein and fiber so you can have them for breakfast or a snack or even dessert. Like talk about multi-purpose foods, right? <laughs> so you're going to love them. And please let me know if your kids like them too. I'm always curious on kids and the pumpkin flavors. Um, so if you're not already a member but you're hearing about all this stuff and thinking you'd like to get in on these weekly goodies, here's what you do. Go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries. For just $10 a month, you get weekly recipes, a monthly article or tool, extra discounts from me and our partners, plus access to live Q&A sessions with me. It's a bargain and it actually is free when you take advantage of the discounts that you get. It's really a simple economical way to show yourself that your health is a priority. Plus, by being a member, you support this podcast and this community so that we can continue bringing you new episodes and experts every single week. Remember, all you have to do is head over to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries or click the link in the show notes. Keep it simple. Once you're there, click support now, enter your email and payment method, and click subscribe. You're all set. You'll get this week's recipe for the pumpkin spice muffins. All right. So I'll kick this off by sharing with you guys my own story for a second. So about three months ago, I found a lump in my right breast. And it was off to the side, kind of near my armpit. So I knew it also could possibly be like the swelling of a lymph node, but I didn't know for sure. And it was painful. And I remember it vividly. It was a Thursday night and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? Like seriously, is this happening? So 
all night my mind is racing, you know, kind of flip-flopping between rationalizing what it could be and then also, you know, not knowing. So I woke up Friday morning. I called my gynecologist. They fit me in later that morning. And on my way to the doctor, I called Mona because Mona for years worked in this space. And I just felt like if I was going through all this stuff in my head, I needed to get it out loud. You know, I needed somebody to know where I was going and what was going on. Um, So I'll continue with my story in a minute, you know, as we sort of go through the process. But I'm curious, Elsa, how did you find something? It's funny. Mine was also on a Thursday night. So I was flying back home from a trip to Boston to have a holiday lunch with a client. And um, I was in the window seat and it's a quick 45 minute flight. And I was like, huh, it was, mine was also under the armpit, but on the left side, okay. I had just had a mammo six weeks before this. Uh, so the minute I found this lump that felt like the size of an egg, but one of those hard eggs that like you shake when you're in music class, when you're like trying to get the rhythm in like fourth grade. Totally. I felt this thing and it was so hard and it wasn't moving. It was like glued to my chest wall. And I go into my doctor on the Monday, the 9th, which um, Mona and I both know that date oh too well. And uh, I, um, she's like, this has got to be a cyst. I just saw, I just saw your report. It was fine. Tuesday, the 10th, I go to get an ultrasound done locally by me in New Jersey. And I have my, at that time, 18-year-old daughter with me. And the doctor comes back in. He goes, uh, we need to do a biopsy. I'm like, we do. And he's like, who's that? And I go, that's my daughter. And he just starts talking. And I'm trying to hold it together because I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I start crying. I'm, I'm in shock. I'm trying to be like the strong mom. So I had to leave the next morning to go on a flight for a business trip for our holiday team get together rah-rah session. And then I was on my way down to Atlanta the Thursday night to go to my son's graduation. And oh, by the way, by this time on that Thursday, I had already had a appointment scheduled with Dr. Susan Drossman out of New York City, who is one of the top radiologists in all of New York and is just wears the most fabulous shoes. Um, and I had an appointment with her on, on Monday morning at 11 a.m. So my husband and I were flying back Sunday at 9 p.m. And we were back in the city Monday during the holidays. And I had to put on a, on a poker face the whole weekend on my son's graduation. It was really hard. Yeah. So um, I kept the appointment at the original place where that I was going to have it done, where I had the ultrasound done. But I knew darn well I was going into the city and paying out of pocket to see this this fabulous person who is honestly one of the best in the world. So she feels it. She's like, all right, I need to do an ultrasound guided biopsy. Um, she's like, you never had any genetic testing done? I said, no. And I'm in shock at this point. So they go to put seven needles in me for a biopsy and two of them got bent going in. Yeah. So bent because this thing was so hard. Then I had a mammogram right after that. And I had already gotten the copies of my last five years of reports. And mind you, my mother had breast cancer and my grandmother had breast cancer. It's on my mom's side, who is Scottish, but I never thought to check my dad's side. Um, and that's where the BRCA gene comes in because my dad is 13. Well, we were, me and my sister, the two out of three sisters that have it, 
we're both 14% Ashkenazi Jew. My grandmother had a convert in a holding camp. So that's where the story starts to unfold a little bit. My aunt died at 50 of my dad's sister from um, pancreatic cancer. And my grandmother died of metastatic cancer. And we don't know where it started, but on my dad's side. So I have a, I have a, I, it's really hard, Jen, because I don't have, my parents are both gone. They both passed mm-hmm. away. My mom died of, of Alzheimer's and my dad died of ALS. So I was always their healthcare caretaker, so to speak. Um, I, I took care of my mother the last four years of her life down by me. And I was an advocate for her and also for ALS and did all that I could for both my parents. But I now had to throw myself into high gear of taking care of myself. Yeah. And that's I, that was the turning point for me. Yeah, and I I appreciate you bringing this up because one of the major things for us to talk about is the need for an advocate right from the beginning. Yeah. And you know, especially for most of us, we're so used to being this person for other people, whether in our work or for our friends, like we're used to doing this for other people. And, you know, you for your parents. And now all of a sudden we need to do this for ourselves. And there is something bizarre that happens <laughs> when it is your own stuff where yeah. like all the things you would do for someone else go out the window. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you know, I left the doctor. So Mona, I want to bring you into this because – so. Mona was the one who said to me when I was going there, okay, your likely next step is X and Y and call me after, you know? So (laughs) Mona, tell everybody a little bit about Madeline and also kind of what those first steps would be. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, basically had the privilege of working um, with a world-renowned pathologist for three years who not only did breast and was very instrumental uh, early on in the fine needle aspiration biopsy, which kept uh, women from having to have core biopsies every time a lump or an irregularity was found. So that was kind of amazing. And she had been working on that for a very long time and been involved in on-site biopsies, uh, being there with the patient as a pathologist, which is very unusual and kind of doing initial testing so that we could tell straight away if somebody had some cancer cells and then we sent it out for more studies, in-depth studies. But it was um, an unusual thing because she did several different uh, organs in the body, not just breast not just thyroid, not just lungs. So she was a very unusual and um, and uh, well-respected pathologist. But in order to work with her for three years, um, she didn't let me get away with anything. I was like marketing, business development, whatever. But <clears throat> she really wanted me to know exactly what was going on with all these patients. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Interestingly enough, uh, the cases used to come into our office, the ones that we didn't do the the biopsies on site, and I literally could take a case, read the history, and kind of notate which ones I thought might turn out to be cancer based on family history, immediate history, um, how it was found. So um, jump to just my, my life since, and I feel like I could have become a very strong advocate for friends and family and relations. And, you know, it's like six degrees of separation because 
folks close to me know that I kind of have this background. And even though I'm not a physician and I'm not giving anybody diagnosis or whatever, um, you can you can certainly be an advocate and kind of just push people to do what they need to do immediately. And I think that's kind of the segment that we're talking about today, which is like you're initially in a doctor's office. And, you know, I hear this over and over again. It doesn't matter what type of cancer it is. That initial like you might have cancer, you have cancer, we found something. And then what does that person do? How how do they take that in? I mean, it's it's like Teflon. You you just like, you know, a wall goes up and uh, you need someone immediately in your realm who will say, these are the phone calls you need to make. Let me make these phone calls for you if you if you're not up for doing it. Let me get you to the right people to get the right tests so that a real diagnosis can be um determined. And it's that couple of days to a couple of weeks based on the kind of cancer and where you live um, and what your resources are that make all the difference. Because listen, you're finding that potential lump or, you know, potential cancer, a lump that, or, you know, some irregularity, you don't really know if it's cancer. You just know it's something in your body that doesn't belong. And how do you go from that to diagnosis alone. It's very scary and it's very off-putting and it's something that nobody knows until they go through it. Or, yeah. you know, they've been, a, they've been, you know, a party to that process, which is, you know, basically my, my relationship to it. Um, fortunately for me, not good. And uh, thank you, Mona. You're so, so good at being that pragmatic friend who's like, it's okay. We've yep. got all the resources. We have all the best doctors here. And she put my heart at ease when I was literally in that frame of shock. I know exactly where I was looking out the window when I got the call that this was in fact cancerous. Um, and it was in my chest wall after my MRI with Dr. Alyssa Port. So um, Mona was that friend of mine that she never cried with me. She was the one that was just helping me get back up, saying, "All right, on to the next. Let's go." And she came to a couple of my my tests and sat there with me during the holidays. And this was all pre-COVID. And I know if I had started chemo in a that you know after the pandemic already began, Mona would have been sitting there with me. She would have been yep. my friends, one of my one of my true friends that I would have had sit there with me for that entire day. Cause there's not many people you, I realize that when you're alone by yourself with just the nurses, I'm like, I'm kind of liking this piece by myself without anybody here. But you know, <laughs> I, right. use, I use the COVID excuse. Um, but uh, it, I, I, I agree with you, Mona. It's something that you've got, everyone has to find out on their own and you're in that alone space. And after my doctor told me, she said, I want you to go tell your sisters they got to get tested, tell your cousins, um, and then go empty out your freaking closet. And she just wanted me to do something that, that I hadn't done yet or probably wasn't. She's like, none of those clothes are going to serve you anymore. And that was the best cathartic experience I could have done in that waiting period. I think there's, there's, um, you know, I mean, so there's so many cancers and there's so many diagnoses of cancer, especially among women with breast, right? We know that it's a fact, the numbers are there. 
And I think the number one takeaway from our discussion today, if anything, and I'll do it now, I mean, why not present is basically you need someone. I don't care who that person is. You need the most logical person in your life, whether they've had experience with cancer or not, you know, someone logical, right? You know, you've got to, whether it's an ex teacher whether it's a friend of your kids, you know, you know, your kids are friends and it's, it's a mother. Um, I don't care who it is, you know, someone logical and that's the phone call you have to make and you have to explain what happened and you just have to ask for help. And I think that's the hardest thing for women to do, obviously, since we're kind of talking about women today, although plenty of men have cancer and breast cancer and all of that, you need to find, I think, uh, and it could be a man actually, but you need to find someone who is that logical, reasoned person who can take you from step A to step B to step C to step D. They don't necessarily have to hold your hand. They don't have to cry with you. They don't have to, you know, kind of live the emotional life with you. They have to be like Elsa said, pragmatic, reasonable, logical, get you from the people that you that need to see you and the tests you need to take to like really thinking about what's happening and just the next steps and next steps and next steps to get you well and to health. That's exactly. Basically like the bottom line in all of this. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Mona, you were that for both Elsa and I. Um, and I'll tell you guys, like Mona said to me, okay, she's likely going to send you for a mammogram and an ultrasound. And then I left the office and I called the radiology place and the woman gave me an appointment for like almost a week later. And I I was walking outside in the rain, holding my umbrella, holding the phone and the paper with the referral info so I could give the woman the information, right? Like you can picture it. Yeah. And so I accepted that appointment. And so I called Mona and I'm like, okay, so here's what's happening. And Mona's like, what do you mean a week from now? (laughs) No, call them back. (laughs) You know, they have an appointment on Monday, call them back. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. What was I thinking? But that's what happens. It's like all of a sudden there's this cloud where the things that you would normally do, right? Like I would normally have said, no, I'm not waiting a week. If it was anybody else in my life, I would have said the exact same thing that Mona said. Absolutely. So I appreciate, you know, what you're saying, that it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone who has experience with this, just someone else to be the pragmatic one, especially when you're typically that person, you know? Um, And Elsa, I mean, I want to go back to this because your daughter was sitting there Mm-hmm. What happened between like leaving that appointment and then, you know, the next steps? Like, what was the conversation you had with her? And then where did you go from there? What was, was that with, you know, those conversations that happened after that? I I was trying to diminish anything for her to worry about, right? She was just home from school from University of Alabama and we were on our way back and it was before the holidays. So I'm giving her tests that had to be done because I was leaving the next day for a work trip. But I had already went to the front desk and said, can I get the last five years of my reports, please, before my meeting on Monday? And I did not cancel that one at the radiologist. 
but even though I knew darn well I was going into the city, I mean, I was already going to be away. So I was able to do the things that my Reiki specialist told me to do, which was meditate, meditate, and meditate. I would mm-hmm. go out of that meeting when I could and walk around this beautiful area in Virginia and just breathe and just stay away from anything. I wasn't Googling anything because I had a lot of research in my past that I know I could be a little dangerous here. So there was no need for that. I knew that I was going to be in the best hands with Dr. Drosman. And lo and behold, I saw her on the Monday the 16th. She shuffled me to Dr. Port on Friday the 20th. I went downstairs for an MRI. And by that night when she was on her way to go to Japan, this is the holidays. They're all ready to go on vacation. Um, She called to tell me that it was in fact cancerous. Um, They sent my my um, biopsy away to UPenn and also Mammoprint. And it came back being stage three, type four. Um, and it was invasive lobular. So it wasn't ductile. Um, so mine's more like the tree kind, which is where it can branch off. So um, I had to go on a trial of Lupron, which kind of shuts down your estrogen, tamoxifen, and Ibrance, which is an oral chemo drug of 125 milligrams. You go look up Ibrance and the side effects and it will scare the shit out of you. And I was so scared. So I started that on New Year's Eve. I had all these shots in me. I was I wanted to throw up. Um, it was really an awful month and a half experience. But in less than one month of continuing all my Reiki and staying mindful, I was able to drink this 65%. So on that day, February 22nd, when I shrunk it, my surgeon said, that's it. We're going to surgery. And I got March 12th. I had to do a couple of tests before that. So March 12th was pretty good from February 22nd. And if anybody's watching the news, you know that March 12th was kind of the day that we kind of shut yeah. the world. I went into surgery one day and came out in another world. And it was a really scary place. But- Again, there's a, that whole in-between, Jen, you're just on autopilot. And I said this to Mona the other day. I When I, I go back to my oncologist on, on what, this coming Wednesday, and I'm going to have to start a new um, drug for postmenopausal because I just had a hysterectomy on October 2nd as part of this gene. Um, I I want her to repeat everything again. I, I feel like I'm still in a fog and I was going through the motions that I want to hear you say, you know, we got it. We are, you, you know, 95, 90% chance of getting breast cancer, 90% for this gene. So I was lucky I didn't get it sooner before 50 is what my doctor said. And my sister who's 37, she's a ticking time bomb, according to Dr. Court. So she's got to get her journey going as well. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a scary world of navigating it all. But like Mona said, having her as one of my truly like she's just not just logical but she's calming she knows how mm-hmm. to calm me down when i'm like boom 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 let's go so um we traveled enough and we spent enough time in, in rooms during some of our work conferences i think that you know she she, she knew where, where my head could possibly be at but she calmed me down a lot with the the pragmatic and logical step which is all i needed at that at that point i, th- I think also i just want to interject that um you know, obviously Elsa has has had been involved already kind of in mindfulness, um, you as well, Jen, obviously, 
a lot of people are not. But I think another takeaway for today should be that when you do kind of hear this like devastating, because there's no other way to kind of explain what it is, you know, you know, it's devastating. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, even if it's false, it's still devastating because you go through all the emotions anyway, right? I think it's really important to find solace as a person whose body may be failing them in a way that you weren't expecting. And so I think another takeaway for today, besides having a, you know, kind of phone a phone a friend, is to look inside in another way and to really um, explore, even if it's five minutes a day, to just be quiet and settle down because that helps in the healing, both of your emotions and your physical body. So I think as part of the program, any any program to wellness, and, and you say this all the time, is finding something that works for you where you can quiet your mind and then, and then therefore quiet your body. And that's part of the healing process, whether you have, you know, ultimately have the diagnosis or you don't. Um, it's good for everyone to just, you know, take stock. Even if you sit in a chair and just go from your head to your toes, kind of being aware of every part of your body, that's healing. So I just, I wanted to interject that because I know it's tough for people you know, there's so much noise coming at them uh, when you go to see all these different doctors and all these places for different tests and they're places you've never been before and they're unfamiliar people. And you just have to kind of be within yourself for a moment every single day as part of this process as well, especially in that short window, right, that we're talking about today. Exactly. And thank you for bringing that up. And we're going to come back to that um, again in this conversation, I want to take a step back because for a lot of our listeners who maybe haven't had these experiences. So Mona, you said to me, the first thing is the mammogram and ultrasound. And then if needed, the next step is this biopsy. And, you know, Elsa, you shared that, you know, it was seven needles, right? Two of them bent. Like it, I guess that one of my questions is because I didn't progress to this point. So to fill everybody in, they, uh, the radiologist determined that they were just cis and we're just going to keep an eye on it. Um, but, you know, when you do get that biopsy, what's to be expected? Oh, I wish I wish I knew. Trust me, because it was painful. Um, you know, they they they're pretty much putting in a marker at the at the at all spots where they could feel this large lump and my gynecologist thought mine was a, a cyst too jen so uh, six weeks prior to my mri i had a mammogram and it didn't pick up now again mine was very deep in the chest wall which is why i stress so much for everyone to feel on the first like that's it like every first of the month feel that feel those boobs and my oncologist was the one that gave me the first real like, you know, feeling of it, not Dr. Port that I like the way that she did it. And she moved it around and like went from the outside to the inside because she's a scientist, right? So I was like, oh, I like the way that you you do that versus, you know, just feeling for that one lump because Dr. Port knew right away, but she didn't, she didn't tell me anything. But 
those mm-hmm. girls hurt like hell. Um, and I go outside. I'm told to take a cup and go spit in the cup. And we'll get the results back in less than a week on my um, genetic test for the BRCA. Well, and so I get the call from Dr. Joseph who goes, yep, I know it. I knew it. I Now I now we know why you got this. I'm like, what? And I'm like, what, do you, what, what is it? And she's like, you're BRCA2 positive. And I was like, oh my God, I, I didn't even know what the hell all this was. And, I, and when I started doing research and then when you see the Angelina Jolie effect and Dr. Poor always says to me, she goes, you're not the Angelina Jolie effect. You're the Elsa Pine effect. There's more grassroots efforts that need to be done. And I'm so happy that you're on these fighting grounds, you know, not just because of Angelina Jolie, but when Angelina Jolie came out with her story, not only were there more people that went and got their mammograms and genetic testing, but it doubled the genetic testing results, but it also doubled genetic testing um, cases that came back positive. Yep. Yeah. And it's amazing what happens and what we don't even realize. And um, I'll come back to the genetic testing also, because I think it's something we can all do really easily to take another step toward our own advocacy. Um, But Mona, in all the cases with Madeline's office, I mean, what if you were talking to somebody before they came in, right, what would you say to them for what to expect? Um, fortunately for, for us, uh, just in our practice, I mean, um, the appointments were actually made, um, you know, front office with the radiology center. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, and we really worked mostly with the physicians that were sending these cases and, you know, talking to the physicians afterwards and, um, you know, for, for some reason, I mean, they just relied so much on Madeline and her expertise also for what the next step should be for a lot of these patients, which is unusual because they're the oncologists. I mean, they should know what the next steps are. But I just feel like in the practice of medicine, it's, it is practice and it is about the number of cases. And there was just so much volume over the years for her, especially. And in those three years, I mean, the volume, I, I, it's, it was astronomical, astronomical. And a lot of the stories without breaking any HIPAA laws and a lot of the stories were so similar. This is not, I mean, there are, there are rare cases, believe me, but this is something that should be talked about, taught. We should know as general public that, if you've got these sort of like background, if you got these genes, if you're from, you know, X, Y, and Z, or if you were in Chernobyl, you know, during the, I mean, you should be hyper aware or in Japan, for example, you should be hyper aware that these cancers are growing in you. I mean, the likelihood of these cancers coming to the forefront are very, very strong. Um, there's no question about it. The number, not the, the numbers don't lie. The statistics don't lie. We should be much more educated about this. And I love what Elsa said, feel on the first, because especially for breast cancer, obviously you can feel it. Right. That's the one advantage of breast cancer for the most part. Some are, some are silent. Some are so, so not, you know, on the surface or you can't get to it with your, your exact self-examination, but there's truth in numbers and 
you know, with, with all, you know, uh, Komen does and the American Cancer Society and all these, these advocates for, for, um, you know, awareness, there should even be more awareness is all I'm saying, because it's yeah. so prevalent. It's so prevalent. It shouldn't be a shock. Well, I think they were saying that we are right now one in, one in eight women and it's slowly going to one in seven very quickly is what they are going to change those numbers to. And yeah. genetic, genetic, genetic cancers is only 5%. So I'm one of the 5%. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, most are sporadic. People don't realize that too. And I, Envi- I listen, environmental yep. stress. Do you know how many cancers are going to be diagnosed oh, yeah. after this, this, you know, last seven, eight months of the pandemic? I mean, we're going to be on such a slippery slope, not only with mental health, but also physical health. And that's why I was stressing the mindfulness, but we have to be so diligent about going to our physicians for annual checkups and just being on top of our own health and healthcare. Um, there's going to be, you know, an explosion. I think I, I hate to say it, but there is. I know it's unscathed. It's one of those things where I think awareness is so important and it's why we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of which, you guys will remember a few weeks ago, uh, we had a guest on where we talked about toxins in our environment. And it's a lot of those toxins that also exacerbate a lot of these issues and create a lot of the issues, right? 95% are not genetically related. Um, So that's actually a perfect time to bring up our partner for this episode, Snap Cleaning Products. So make household and industrial cleaning a snap with their eco-friendly, economical, multi-purpose Snap products. Snap's concentrated multi-purpose formulas perform light to industrial strength jobs all in one bottle. Snap products give you the cleaning power of a variety of cleaners, saving you time, money, and valuable storage space. Snap products were developed with the environment in mind using plant-based ingredients that are biodegradable, phosphate-free, non-toxic, and bottled and recyclable containers. So I always say this to you guys, Snap actually stands for safe for nature, animals, and people. Oh, I love that. Right? Their Snap 2 cleaner disinfectant meets the EPA's criteria for use against COVID-19. You don't need bleach. That's not part of the ad. I can't technically say that, but it is highly concentrated, the Snap2 cleaner disinfectant. It cleans, disinfects, and deodorizes, phosphate-free, readily biodegradable, and perfect for bathrooms, kitchens, hospitals, pet kennels, nursing homes, athletic and recreational facilities, food service facilities. Basically, if it's good enough for a hospital, it's good enough for my home, (laughs) right? One bottle replaces up to 32 bottles of any leading antibacterial all-purpose cleaner. So if you haven't already, it is time to give this a try. To get 10% off, text the word CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N, to 844-947-4846. You'll receive the link and coupon code right to your phone. Again, simply text the word CLEAN to 844-947-4846. This is a toll-free number. Standard text and data rates may apply. All right. So I want to go back to this because I think it's so important, like self-care in all forms. So self, right? Feel on the first. 
And I have to say, I mean, I admittedly was never one where I wouldn't religiously do a self-exam. On occasion, yes. And when my doctor would ask me at my annual checkup, she would say, you know, do it, do you do your own? And I'm like, probably not as often as I should is really my answer. And then it's sort of like the conversation stops there. And I know that nobody wants to go to the doctor and like be scolded, but it's something that we need to be reminded of more and more. It's like flossing. Everybody hates to floss or most people hate to floss. I happen to love it because I love my dentist. But um, we, back in the day, uh, you two are a little young, but when I went to college, we used to have these cards for self-exam that you could do in the shower and used to hang on the shower. Yes. And, you know, it's just a reminder. I don't know if the girls, you know, like the, the women in college have that now or, you know, it, it's even, they're even printed or, you know, it was like a big thing, like for, for a minute, it was a big thing, you know, back but in yeah, the- They don't have that anymore, Mona. They don't. They don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we should, you know, start printing them and sending them out to college dorms. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that's a big thing. The, f- the feel on the first, I think is an amazing thing. I think that even if that's like the most basic, simple message we could get out, it's fantastic. Um, I think the toxin thing again, and that product sounds wonderful. Um, just clean your house a little bit of toxin, like get rid of some things, get rid of tin foil, stop using tin foil. Um, sorry, Reynolds. Um, but, um, you know, just like stuff we use for moisturizer, especially stuff we put on our body. Um, I just have a quick story. I, I was a powder I've been using powder, right, after shower my entire, since high school, okay? Powder is pretty toxic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it took for me to stop using powder after using it for 40 years? Like, it's it's not easy to break those habits of products that we've used for so many years that we thought were safe. Yeah. Whole other topic. I'm not naming names, but you know, Elsa will tell you she's cleaned house. I've, I cleaned house a long time ago, mostly because, you know, my, my migraines and I thought it would help that, which it has. It's, you know, it's like a plus B equals C. It is, it's apparent that, um, you know, over the last 40, 50, 60 years with the advent of all these things that make our life easy, easier, you know, plastic bags and this and that. Um, it's also become more toxic. Yep. So just one by one, take these things out. Like they've been talking about like once a week, eat plant-based food, you know, it's the same thing. It's like maybe every month you can take out a toxic product in your home or your environment and it, it will help. It definitely will help. Yeah. And Elsa, you mentioned Reiki. And I think, you know, combining Eastern and Western modalities is really helpful and really important, you know, for all of us all the time. (laughs) Because I say this all the time, Western medicine is not preventative care. It is early detection at best. Uh, You know, 
we need to be our own health advocates all the time. And I think Eastern medicine and modalities can help us do that on a regular basis. So I know, Reiki, what else were you doing before? What else have you added into your treatment protocol? Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I get a lot of these questions from a couple of friends. I've got one girlfriend who's going through this alongside with me, but a different journey because she's got triple negative breast cancer, but she's with MSK and the MSK stays in the, in their lanes. Whereas Mount Sinai allows you to do Reiki and massage therapy. And Oh, by the way, they had to cancel all that due to COVID. So I didn't get any during chemo, but, um, I, oh, I, I did a lot of acupuncture. Um, he was cleansing my organs to get ready for the next round. And my oncologists, they wouldn't let me take any supplements at all. I couldn't take turmeric and turmeric's anti-inflammatory. Yep. I could take it if it was natural in a drink. And I was getting my drink from a, a juice girl down the, her farm. I was doing turmeric, ginger, and lemon shots in the morning. I was doing a lot of carrot juice all day, a lot of beet juice and acupuncture. And then during radiation, I started um, physical therapy and she did a lot of cupping with me to help get the heat out from my breast because when you're radiating into one location, that's a lot of heat. And it's, it's good. You feel like you can fry an egg on you, but I would go to her twice a week. I'm still going twice a week. Cause I've got these lovely expanders in me until my next surgery, March 30th, um, 2021, but I'll have these in almost a year. I had no idea that I was going to have these in for a year. So there's a lot of therapy and physical, you know, massaging I have to do at home as well as with a physical therapist just to keep from, you know, all the scar tissue building up in my in my rib cage, which is really where these are. Yeah. And it's interesting too with all of the um you know, acupuncture, cupping, Reiki, massage, physical therapy. I think one of the other things, and even with chemo, right? I think one thing that's often overlooked and I want to mention is the importance of belief that it will work. Yeah. I think a lot of times we poo-poo a placebo effect, but I also like to think of it as like, how magical is that? That we can think a different way, think something's working and our body responds as if it is. Oh, my kids were laughing at me. I walked, Mona knows I walk around with all my crystals and I had selenite in my bra for the longest time trying to get rid of this. I mean, I'm charging my stones every full moon. I, I was doing all of that and they were washing away as I was doing Reiki. They felt like it was like mud that was all around me after chemo. And it was very, there were some very moving experiences that I've had with Reiki um, which I've gone once a month throughout all of this. So since December, I've been going at least once a month, journaling, listening to music, shutting out the world, walking with nature, walking barefoot in, in, in the grass. Like it, there's been a lot of people finding themselves and doing that introspection with COVID alone, but yeah. I was doing that already. And I needed to up my you know volume on this big time during this time. So it's, um, and, and I've been, I've been asked to talk to a lot of people, but like, whatever you did, like the way you handled it was just, I said, well, maybe cause I, I had already been through hell. I really had enough with my, with what happened with my parents. And I just went into fight or flight mode. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of let fear take that back seat because I wasn't afraid of, of death. 
And that's really kind of the root of it. I, I, I believe in multiple, that we have multiple lives and my spirit was, and my soul were so strong. I wasn't worried about the physical world at all. I really was just worried about just staying whole with myself and my soul. It's such a beautiful story and perspective, you know, and you're sharing your story. I'll right. Share any story and anything I can do to help. Cause I know people are like, everyone's afraid to ask questions. I mean, I, I follow people's Instagram pages and if I listened to everything I read, I, I think I would have been a, a cuckoo. I would have been over, you know, on a, on a, on a branch somewhere hanging off of it. I don't know. I thank God I didn't. I just stayed close to myself and I had this thing called the effort bucket and I would put people in there. If I couldn't handle their energies, I was like, you're out for a while. I can't deal with you more. <laughs> it's but, not forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't still have you come out. But um, I did want to, I did want to mention one other thing. Um, as we were talking, please having the BRCA tests and all of that. And um, which is super important. I mean, as soon as Elsa was diagnosed, she was like, she has two sisters, you know, you must have the test, you know. Um, there are also circumstances where, you know, people go for the BRCA test, they don't have cancer, right? Um, what do they do then? They're positive. You know, this is this is the what we were talking about before, I guess, with Angelina Jolie. She didn't really, mm-hmm. hadn't been diagnosed with cancer, right? She just had the test and she was positive and she took, she took the, so, Um, And this is maybe another episode or another episode next year for you, Jen. But I think that there's a lot of decisions to be made um, once you know that the possibility of having cancer, the real possibility because of your gene makeup and, and what do you do and how do you move forward and how do you take those same pragmatic steps that don't need to be maybe immediately tomorrow, but you know, you still have to make decisions in a timely manner once, once you, once yeah. you know, yeah. so, um, just thoughts around that at some point, but, um, it's a very real thing and you also need an advocate for that. And you need somebody that's going to keep on top of you and, you know, make you make decisions that are very hard to make, especially if you're young and a lot of, uh, yeah. when, you know, find out, I, I'm, I'm glad they go for the tests. I'm glad it's happening because that's what should be happening. We have the tests available, right? Which by the way, again, that should also be, you know, covered by insurance and all of that good stuff, uh, especially for those who, you know, have the, the hereditary or environmental, um, whatever, whatever, everything should be covered, but that's like another. Agreed. And that's, I mean, that's a soapbox uh, issue for both of us. I mean, even as far as what it takes to get a second opinion. Yes. A hundred percent. But I don't, I don't want to lose sight of folks that actually don't have cancer, but may have cancer in the future and the decisions they have to make. And they're extremely valid and they're usually younger people. And, you know, there's got to be more education around that. There's got to be better and better care around that. And the good doctors like Dr. Port, uh, Elsa's doc physician, and some other folks are really starting to, you know, 
um, be so useful and helpful to their patients, but that's not across the board, across the country. So I think, you know, the more we talk about it, you know, it, it trickles into the center of the country and out to Europe and to other places. And, you know, not everybody lives near a great cancer center um, with people that really know how to help make those decisions. So, yeah. So I want to actually point out, there's two nonprofits that I wanted to bring to everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. Um, The first is called Bright Pink. They are headquartered in Chicago, um, actually founded by someone that I went to college with, and they focus a lot on genetic testing, uh, counseling services, both before and after genetic testing to help you through that process and analyze what your options are and decide what's right for you. Um, they have resources, you know, for early detection and all sorts of tools, and it's both for breast and ovarian cancer. So you can text the word HEALTH to 59227 to sign up for their monthly reminders to practice breast and ovarian self-awareness. So I recommend everybody do that. Look into Bright Pink on social media. They are at Be Bright Pink. And the other one is a New York City-based nonprofit called You Can Thrive. And they provide free and low-cost holistic services and education to anyone with a breast cancer diagnosis. So if you know anyone who would like to explore those modalities, even if it's not offered by their primary practitioner, You Can Thrive can help them. Um, And of course, also everybody knows, you know, Susan G. Komen and they have connections to smaller organizations all over to help you find resources that are near you. So even if you're not in, you know, a major city like New York or Chicago or some of these places, there are practitioners and there are people who are involved in this um, who can help all of us at every stage of this process. Because I think no matter where we are, it's never easy. Um, any final thoughts or comments that you want to share? Mona, we'll come to you first. <laughs> um, again, you know, I think the takeaways, as I said earlier, are find a pragmatic person in your life that can be your support and your advocate and see you through in that short window of time. And whether you have cancer or you don't have cancer, you always need someone else who's going to push you and just be your person, you know, your person. Yep. Um, secondly, I think, you know, feel first or first feel. Or <laughs> feel on the first. Awesome. Um, also, if you think that you have um, a hereditary background where you think you might, you know, um, be more likely to get cancer, you know, look into it, get help, read about it, you know, like, like you just said, there are organizations out there across the country that are ready, willing, and able to help you. And it's all about education, educating yourself, and um, and just trying to make the right decisions for yourself. And the third thing is um, what I said earlier is always find a time in the day just to be quiet, reflective, and get in touch with your mind and your body so that you can heal yourself and be supportive of yourself Um in a way that maybe if there's so much noise coming at you constantly and so many decisions and it's, 
it's so foreign to you until it happens to you. Yeah. So you need a minute. You need a beat. Thanks. Elsa, final thoughts, comments? Um, you know, I going through this whole process, I I I I never said why me, why did this happened to me. I literally knew that this was a lesson and a blessing. I had to figure out what the purpose of it was. And I'm finding that purpose as I go through this. And you don't know till you're looking in that rearview mirror, right? Or through yep. the other back end of the tunnel. And I've been to the darkest places of my life um, in this year. And I know that knowledge is power. There's nothing more important than knowledge. And we can be our own advocates as well. Um, you don't have to just take that first opinion. You can have a voice. The more knowledgeable you are, the more of a voice you can have. And I, I strongly urge that to everyone. And it, it is scary, but it's, um, it's also, you know, a, a, a road of a journey of pink that you see, which is, you know, I hate saying that now, but everywhere I look, mm -hmm. my I'm wearing pink socks for a soccer game today. I, I'm never not reminded of it. And I, there's a, that's okay to never not be reminded of it. But like Mona said, I, you got to take the time to truly smell the flowers and enjoy it because um, time is precious. It really is. Absolutely. I, I mean, I second everything you guys shared. And I know, you know, from my own scare earlier this year, um, I was so grateful to have someone like Mona in my corner. And I hope for all of you listening that you have that person. It's why we're having this conversation. And if you didn't or don't have that person, you do now. It's me. I've got you. Uh, know that you can always reach out to me. And as members of this community, we are locking arms. We are here for each other. And I am here for you. So thank you again. Elsa, for sharing your your story, and Mona, for being that rock for both of us. <laughs> Thanks again for having us. Yeah. Thank so, you, Jen. Mona. Absolutely. So that means it's time for our nutrition nugget. Are you guys ready? Yes. Today, we're talking about gummy vitamins. So first, congratulations. So many of you are taking a multivitamin, and it is awesome to see. And I love that everyone is realizing that we need to fill in the gaps, not only for filling in the gaps of our food choices, but filling in the gaps of our food supply. And more on that, you can go back to our episode called How the Hell Did We Get Here? <laughs> that was from, uh, I think it was fall 2019 when we did that episode. So for this week, though, and to prepare for this, I spent some time looking at a whole bunch of different bottles of gummy vitamins in the drugs food in the drugstore and the health food store, and from some of you. You guys sent me um, pictures of the labels from your gummy vitamins. So the uplifting part is that many of these used to be made with high fructose corn syrup and hydrogenated oils, which I have to be honest. I didn't really see on the labels that I read. So that was heartening. <laughs> on the other hand, there were also a couple things that are a little alarming. So I want to let you guys know. So first, every single one, when I looked at the other ingredients, had sweeteners and juices at the top of their ingredient list. Even the organic ones. And some of this you can't really get around because as a gummy, they want it to taste good. 
You know, realize though that cane sugar is one of the new ways that they reference high fructose corn syrup. So keep an eye on that. Um, It was actually in quite a few of them, even at the health food store. And also be sure to look, you know, at all different types of sugars on the label and the added sugar in the nutrition list. Most of them were in the range of three to five grams of added sugar. And in the grand scheme of things, it isn't terrible. But when we think about that this is from our vitamin designed to fill in the gaps where our nutrition falls short, we need to realize that sugar and those sweeteners are not part of that nutrition gap, right? None of us are cane sugar or fruit juice concentrate deficient, (laughs) right? Another point to note is that many are using gelatin or pectin to create their gummy texture. And more interesting though, the number one brand of kids' vitamins on their website says free of allergens, gluten, and gelatin. But yet, when I read the ingredients, there is gelatin listed, and at the bottom, it also says contains wheat. Wheat has gluten. So this is another indication that we have to read the labels, even on our vitamins. Now, the last piece I want to point out, and it's alarming to me, I'm going to try to make this not so alarming to you, but so they're not using really hydrogenated oils anymore. A lot of times they're using sunflower oil, palm oil, and then there's, which are not my favorites, but, and then there's carnauba wax. So palm oil is plant-based, which is why everybody seems to like it, but it is still a saturated fat, which means it's a solid at room temperature. And not only is there no one on the planet who is palm oil deficient, (laughs) right? There's no need for it um, in our health foods or our vitamins. Now, the carnauba wax is really where it gets interesting. Do you guys know what carnauba wax is also used for? I'm afraid to ask. I know. Okay. Carnauba wax creates that glossy finish. So it's used in car wax, shoe polish, dental floss, instrument polish, floor and furniture waxes and polishes. In the early 1960s, it was used to coat the hulls of a speedboat so it could handle like the salt water environments and help enhance speed. It is the main ingredient in surfboard wax. And the reason why they like it is because over time it dulls instead of flaking away like other waxes or finishes. It's also used in many cosmetics And the crazy part is it is FDA approved for use in food. So this is mind-boggling to me. It's part of my soapbox soapbox issue with our food industry. Um, But because of this, I I went searching for some studies, right? So carnauba wax is as hard as concrete. In order to melt, it requires temperatures of 180 to 187 degrees Fahrenheit. And we international listeners, you guys, that's 82 to 86 degrees Celsius. So it's nearly insoluble in water and water mixed with ethanol. So this got me thinking, can our body even break it down? Like what is it, what happens to that when it's in our body? So if this stuff is coating our vitamin and it's as tough as concrete and needs to be heated to 180 degrees to melt, what is happening when we ingest it? Can we even get any of the benefits of the vitamin into our system? So, like I said, I went hunting for the science. 
And the U.S. National Library of Medicine of the National Institute of Health published a study. So they tested cocoa butter, fractionated palm kernel oil, chocolate, beeswax, carnauba wax, and paraffin. Bottom line, so, oh, so they tested it in solutions that were designed to simulate gastric secretions and duodenum secretions, right? So those are the part of the GI tract that are going to break down our food. What they found was that paraffin, carnauba, and beeswax did not dissolve in either the gastric secretions or the duodenum secretions media. So if it does not dissolve in gastric secretions or nor duodenum secretions, which is where we're going to break down food to get the nutrients into our body, this goes through our system intact and hopefully eliminated. So by this coating our vitamins, we're not breaking them down. Therefore, we're not even able to access the vitamins that are inside this carnauba wax that are mixed with your gelatin and your pectin and, you know, your sweeteners. So if this is coating your vitamin, you are not getting the nutrients absorbed into your body because they're basically sealed in concrete. So <laughs> now our, our governing bodies in this country say that it is considered safe for consumption because your body doesn't digest it. So you can't absorb it. And this is alarming to me about our food industry. Like I've said, you know, just take it for what it is. And the way I like to think about it is that these gummy vitamins are really a healthier alternative to a fruit snack than a vitamin. So just for comparison, a fruit snack has around 7 to 15 grams of added sugar. The gummy vitamins are in the realm of 3 to 5 grams of added sugar. So they're really giving us the same nutritional value, but your gummy vitamin has a little bit less sugar. So there you go. Um, you know, just calling a spade a spade here, guys. Your vitamin, your gummy vitamin is a fruit snack. And I applaud you for taking the extra step to protect your health and your kids' health with these options. And just like everything else, we need to be our own advocate. We have to read the labels, even of our vitamins, avoid the binders, the fillers, the additives, the sweeteners. And if you have a specific question about your vitamin, DM me, send me a photo of the label, and let's look at it together. Uh, because I promise to never leave you guys hanging <laughs> without a solution. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the vitamin that I take every day and wouldn't go a day without. And I'm doing this because you deserve your health and your body deserves the benefit of your efforts of taking a multivitamin. All right, Mona and Elsa, thank you again for being here. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah. As always, everybody, I'm your host, Jen Trepic. Connect with me on Instagram at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Our Facebook page is at the same handle. And like I said, we want to hear from you. So send your questions, your ideas, your key takeaways. And that's also the easiest way to reach out uh, for information about working with me directly. Of course, if you're not already a member, join our membership program by going to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries to get this week's recipe for pumpkin spice muffins to support yourself on your health journey and to support this podcast. Everybody, this time next week, we'll be together again. 
Uh, but the election will have passed. So please make sure you have a plan to vote. Go vote. Your voice matters. Your voice counts. Make sure your friends and family have a voting plan as well. And we will see you next week. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. Congratulations for making yourself and your health a priority. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform. Share us with a friend and we'll be back next week. Always remember, you deserve it and you are worth it. Happy healthy.